The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Family-owned Paranormal Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast, located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. At the stroke of midnight, out in the Haitian sugarcane, through thunder and lightning in a driving rain, born again was the undead, as the witch doctor's slave crawled out of his grave. With a smell of rotting flesh, no heart and no brain, the dead walk again. Revenge, its unfinished business, he must attend, for whatever dark deeds the witch doctor sends. And beware Frankenstein's monster. He lurks in the shadows, in the screams of your dreams. Trouble starts, it seems, when the monster senses his own conscience and discovers his zombie soul. That's when the zombie apocalypse first took hold. It's a zombie apocalypse, I fear most, that I should awake in a nightmare where I am the witch doctor's host, akin to voodoo and Kim Bondu, The Walking Ghost. Brought to you by WKTV. I'm your ghost hunting host, Wayne Preston Curtis Thomas. Welcome to a very special episode, our Halloween edition of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. As always, we ask that you please keep an open mind about things that you might not easily believe as we explore the mysterious. Every week, it's somebody very mysterious. But this week, we have someone whose accolades are long <laughs> and very mysterious. But first, let's meet my co-host. Zooming from Byron Center, Michigan. Hey, I'm Brandon Jose. And Zooming from Holland, Michigan. Hi, Kim Colleen here. Now, these guys have been a part of this show since the very beginning, and it just so happens Chitan Noir was there when Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters started in place of the Spirit's Doorway. She was the, our very first guest. Now, this is our 55th. Wow. wow. I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I know. Yeah, that is as yeah, not as amazing as your accolades, though. Oh, uh, award-winning <laughs> author mm -hmm. of uh, three books that I have. I know I don't know how many books you have out now because between the time I seen you, you may have uh, published another one for all I know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no. <laughs> oh. Mothman. Yep. And other flying creatures of the Midwest and lake monsters and creatures of the Great Lakes. I also have an earlier to fight fire with fire. Oh, we yep. Might, yep. We might make reference to this tonight because I haven't talked about that uh, for a long time. But I want to talk to my co host, 
What is it that stands out about Shatan and, and all her bio for you guys? Brandon, what stands out with Shatan? Just kind of the knowledge of all the different cryptids and stuff like that. Yeah. 25 years as cryptozoologist. Kim, what is it that yep. stands out with you and then? Well, first of all, she's a fashion icon. I mean, oh. just look at her hair. I mean, she is the coolest cat in town. Yes. Um, well, thank just, you. Like, just look at her. So um, I actually like all the stories that she told in the past of like prehistoric cryptids, like going back to the age of like Native Americans and so forth. And uh -huh. some of the things that she has taught us about what they believed were um, sort of like monsters in some aspect, but cryptids, but then teaching us how the history kind of played into that going all the way back hundreds of years. So I love that prehistoric type connection with, with Shatan. Oh yeah, stories. Stories. Stories right out of the top of her head. But she's a mm -hmm. podcaster. She's a paranormal investigator, still with Michigan Center of Unexplained Events. Yes, that is my group. So I uh, I will be in charge of that for a very long time to come. Okay, uh, that is my baby. So uh, it yeah. will it will definitely be something I I keep attending to. And podcaster into the liminal abyss. Yep, yep. That's been on a hiatus for a little while, just because I've been um, when Paracon season starts, it's it's hard to uh, factor in interviews. Um, especially live ones where I'm, I'm interviewing the person. Written ones are a little bit different because that is just digital, but uh, having to, you know, because uh, let's see, October, I have done a Zoom presentation almost every week, Monday through Friday for the past four weeks. And then on the weekends, I'm doing, uh, you know, in-person, uh, you know, paracons and then, you know, podcasts for other people. So I, I have to try to save my voice as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and don't forget professor too. Oh yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. Teaches college courses. Yep. Lectures. Like, like she mentioned the virtual, she, she just did a virtual Mothman and other flying creatures just couple days ago or something it seems like uh yeah actually um last night okay. I, I did one last night i did one on dogman tomorrow night's um the nain rouge and then i think last week i did one on um mothman but i the my my most popular ones are the lake monsters dogman mothman and then um haunted ships of the great lakes those yeah. those are the, the ones that i do the most presentations about and we're not done <laughs> you're the lead investigator of the michigan chapter of north american dogman yes yep wow yep. did i leave anything out have you maybe you... oh oh the magazines well yep. yeah michigan yeah, oh, yeah. yeah because that's that is actually the most important one because soon i will be oh i'm right here um soon i will be fully in control of the magazine and um I will be the new owner of the magazines. So nice. um, that will be coming uh, next month. We're making the uh, full announcement, but I, I can I can do a preview of it, um, you know, right now. But yeah, I will be the new owner of uh, Squatch GQ magazines and wow. their affiliate titles, Squatch Digest, G Hunter, 
um, Watchers Magazine, Dinosaur of Prehistoric Creatures, and Weird Travels. And who knows, we might add more from there. Yeah, you're the you're the head writer of GQ, and then yep. it's in the background there. Yep. And then they, <laughs> they came out with a wine, a Chatan Noir yeah. wine. <laughs> yes. So um, the the owner, the the current owner of the magazine, um, John Kaikendall, also has a um, a beverage drink line, um, which includes coffees. Um, with the Squatch GQ logo, uh, energy drink that is becoming very, very popular. We just got it into Walmarts. It will be distributed uh, through Walmarts very, very soon. And they also have now a wine, um, Squatch GQ wines, uh, which are, they're all fabulous. Um, I'm not a big wine drinker or coffee drinker, but I have sampled them and they are pretty good. Um, you know, my, my thing is more, you know, the energy drink because I'm always on the go, always needing, you know, always traveling, always needing more uh, energy <laughs> to get through the day. Yeah. So that's usually the one that I hit up is the Spotch GQ energy drink. Okay. Where can we buy stuff like that? So um, the, if you go to Squatch GQ on mm -hmm. the internet, that is where you can order um, most okay. of the products. Um, I'm not quite sure when we'll be getting the Squatch Energy, uh, Squatch GQ Energy drink into Walmart's actual stores. I do okay. know there are a couple of um, stores, um, gas stations, party stores in Ohio that are currently carrying it. Um, they were our test market and that flies off the shelf. Um, we can't yeah. keep it in stock at those locations. Um, thank you to our, just, uh, our regional manager, um, Jason Arthur, who keeps control over that. Um, and it's just been um, just snowballing and it's That's wonderful. It's, uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. And I am so excited and so happy to be a part of this, uh, this business and this company. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I love the company and I am so grateful to have the, the magazine, uh, portion, um, uh, being given to me, um, to own. So I am, I'm thrilled with it and awesome. can't, wait to, can't wait to move forward with it and, and get our products out there. So, yep. uh, in the future, you will see, I will have the magazines at, um, different paracons with me. Uh, people will be able to buy them there, but I'm also going to be very, very much in, you know, promoting um, people getting, you know, uh, prescription or uh, subscriptions to it, either mm -hmm. physical, you know, written um, in hand copies or the digital. Um, because I know a lot of people are, you know, they, they like that digital aspect where it's not cluttering up their home and, you know, they can, they can read it on the go anytime on their cell phone. Um, on their Kindle devices. So, um, you know, we're, we're taking the, the company forward and it's, it's going to be fabulous. Good. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't be just uh, sitting still. Right now I'm working on crafts as I'm sitting here in my, my office. <laughs> now, I got I to gotta get some gnomes ready for uh, oh. holidays. Is this the same book that's in your background? Yes, it is. That is cover. So now we did have to redo the cover. Um, oh, right. okay. uh, there, there were some issues, um, but 
The current cover is my own design um, featuring my own artwork. So uh, we know that it's, it's legit and that is the cover that it's going to stay with for the rest of its existence. Uh, even if it dies and comes back as a zombie, it'll still look the same. <laughs> <laughs> Are there other books on the background there? Yeah, there is. Um, right there is the Lake Monster book. Right, I have that one. Okay, and I believe down here by my elbow is Tegan's book um, on Bigfooting, and then the two up up there is just other um, uh, covers of the magazines. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I know you're staying busy, and, and plus all the paracons and the lectures that you do. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But this is a special episode. We brought different topics uh, to the table. Uh, does anyone want to start? We'll start with our guest. Ooh. We'll start with our guest. Okay. So, geez, uh, you know, I I could talk forever about just about anything with paranormal and cryptozoology. You know, I, I got one better for you. You guys go ahead and ask me questions. Well, What's been the latest sighting of Mothman? So the latest sightings of Mothman in oh. West Virginia area, we haven't really um, gotten, you know, anything really recent. I'm mm -hmm. still very hesitant about anything with the Lake Michigan Mothman because I do think a lot of it's hoaxed. And I think that the investigator who is making that his um, feeding ground, you know, as I will say, um, I, I think he's taking any reports that he gets as, you know, um, the spoken truth. And I, I think there's some, you know, there should be some hesitation, some pumping of the brakes there because there's a whole lot of hoaxers out there and like you, you really have to, you know, do your due diligence of investigating these reports and not just taking them as, you know, the gospel truth. Um, so how do you differentiate differentiate between a real report of the Mothman and somebody who's just trying to get five minutes of fame? So, you know, that and that's one of the hard things, you know, be, flying cryptids in and water based cryptids. It's very hard because they can, you know, there's not really a whole lot of obstacles for them to overcome to escape the area. No. But I'm thinking you know, we're, we're all knowledgeable about Chicago. I, I'm pretty sure everybody, you know, here on the podcast tonight and listening has at least once in their life been through Chicago. Chicago mm -hmm. runs 24-7 at usually 90 miles per hour. Yeah. Okay. I've driven through Chicago at least yep. eight times since the beginning of September. This city never sleeps. So, and oh, there there's a Flying cryptid with a with even a six foot wingspan. Yeah, you're something's wrong. So with Chicago being as busy as it is, I would think that if there was a creature with at least a six foot wingspan flying around in the sky, we would have hundreds of reports coming in oh, until yeah. one or two reports filtering in every once in a while. Um, I, I would be thinking that, you know, this would be, um, a mass panic almost, you know, if people oh, yeah. 
ridiculous seeing this. And it's not. We're, we're not. I mean, it doesn't even make the news in Chicago. Instead, uh, this one lone researcher is getting all these reports and hyping it up as there's something more there. And he's always posting on his sites, oh, we got another mothman report. Great. Um, but where's your witnesses? And he won't he won't say who his witnesses are. He won't even let you interview his witnesses. So to me, those are major red flags that I yeah. come up. Um, you know, if you can't, you know, allow your witnesses to be interviewed, then that's, you know, to me, that's starting to enter the area of uh, maybe it's too good to be true. And yeah just not what we think it is yeah i was wondering if that's what you were making reference to was the chicago sightings yeah. and then you do talk about the chicago sightings in this book here and which is and I, and I have a very i have a very um a very good researcher friend who went around to the different alleged uh lake michigan mothman sites she was able to disprove quite a few of them um and uh, because she did her due diligence, she went out on foot and she examined these sites, you know, got pictures of the sky, looked at what the activity around the area is. And, you know, she was able to disprove quite a few of these claims of this, you know, Mothman creature in the area. So for me, um, you know, they might say that there's a lot of modern current day reports, but uh, for me, the West Virginia Mothman is the only Mothman that, you know, I want to investigate. Um, and you know, Is that so, the one that you thought that you saw one time when you were down there on a trip? Was um, that you? No. Um, I, the, the only cryptid sighting that I've had that I can actually say 100% I know that it was a cryptid was my Bigfoot sighting up in Minnesota. Okay. So that's the, that's the only one that I can truly say no. Uh, I, I know what I saw. It was it was a big fight, and uh, you know, go from there. Well, hopefully your sound's going to come back uh, full. But I'm let's go. I'm going to go to my topic, and the poem that that I wrote that poem about zombies. So my topic is zombies, and this poem I wrote actually. For two 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 paranormal, which was supposed to be on, oh, yes, yep. yes. And so, a shout out, an early shout out to to Joe uh, Shortridge, yes, because uh, he was in the he had to go to the hospital, but so he's going to take Darren's place in November, but that's all going to work out. But so zombies, so what do you guys know of zombies? I kind of give you that for homework, my my co-host because we mm -hmm. when I thought that it was going to be our final thought for 222 paranormal so Kim what's your take on zombies um well I I think right now it's limited to the movies okay um I you know once you're gone I can't see where you would come back to life so um to me zombies are uh creatures that are only living in the movies and I don't think that would be humanly possible. That's fair. You know, yeah. your friend Adele Gidry from Louisiana would have been one to ask about. Yeah. When she was on a few weeks ago. Yeah. So Brandon. She's, she's got that voodoo, you know, like somebody right. who is 
really into the voodoo aspect may have a different, complete, different opinion about what zombies could be or if they I could come back. I wonder if she does. Yeah, I'd be curious. Yeah. That, right. Yeah, it's her anniversary today, by the way. Oh, I Happy saw anniversary, that. You guys. <laughs> yeah, 14th or something. Yeah, yep. Her nice. husband's name is more is Norris. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. What do you think, Brandon? Zombies. Well, in terms of that regard, like in terms of it actually being undead, so you know, but there's the one where the I can't remember if it's from a pufferfish where they get the poison from. Oh. <laughs> but it kind of like it, it makes it so it looks like they're dead and they come back, but they're like under a trance kind of a thing because of the, the chemical drugs where they become like zombie-like and people use that to control to control the person. So a zombie in terms of that regard, but they're not actually an undead zombie, so to speak. Right, well, that's a pretty good reference because zombieism does happen in nature, uh, like, you, like you referred to. There's a wasp in the Amazon that can infect spiders it can it can get, control those spiders by getting inside of it. The carpenter ants that are right in our area, there's a parasite fungus that can grow inside of them, control their minds and actions. There's a what they call a giant zombie virus, thirty thousand years old, that when the Siberian permafrost melted some all of a sudden this virus woke up after 30,000 years of being dormant. Luckily, it doesn't affect humans. It's not something that's gonna affect humans, at least not this virus that's melted. So I'm not done yet, but let's, let's let our guests weigh in on zombies. Oh, gee, so my, <laughs> when, when I think of zombies, I think of Resident Evil and the T-virus and uh, so, uh, that's about, you know, my thoughts on zombies. Um, I, I don't think it's a net or, you know, there, there are different instances where viruses produce a zombie-like state. So I think if we were to have a zombie outbreak, I think that's what it would be from, a man-made virus um, gone wrong, um, like the T-virus, Upper Corporation. Um, and I, I, you know, suspect that, you know, that could be a thing in the future. Uh, we look at how COVID, you know, uh, became such a, a mass effect with, you know, its its uh, reach in of, uh, you know, that virus. And wow, if, if something like, you know, a zombie, uh, you know, virus were to get out, uh, you know, we saw how unsuccessful containing the, the COVID virus is. It makes me panic for, you know, something potentially worse. You know, if it were a zombie virus, um, how people would react and behave. And I, I think that as a human population, we would probably be a zombie population within months. Well, I'm a zombie almost every morning when I <laughs> for a while at least. But you know, zombie—it's like The Walking Dead. Yeah. Reanimated corpse, the undeads, the uh, witch doctor's mindless slave. It comes out of the Haitian uh, folklore. Yes. You know, voodoo, magic, black mm -hmm. magic. Uh, in the 17th century, uh, West African slaves, it came out of the Haitian, out of Haiti. They're, they're brutal conditions, you know, but it also infiltrated Louisiana, New Orleans. 
and that we have what is called a grand angel. When you die, there's a grand angel in, in you that goes to heaven, but there's a petite angel that hangs out in your body for three days or until you're done right, uh, rotting. Well, that's when something can happen in that period where the, something can happen where you become a zombie if a voodoo doctor gets uh, involved in it. Uh, some consider the half alligator, half man zombie, the, uh, the, the Rula Rouge or whatever. Well, the, the Ruga, the Ruga Ru is actually more of a dogman werewolf type creature. Um, the Honey Island Swamp Monster is supposed to be the half, uh, half alligator, half human type creature. Well, they say the red eyes can steal your soul. Oh. <laughs> One look. <laughs> and we, okay, we talked about it occurring in nature, but what about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? You think that was based on any true events, true stories? What do you guys think on that? What? It's said that with Mary, with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, she was very appalled by the current scientific community where they were doing autopsies and they were trying to transplant organs into, um, you know, a, a dead person's organs into a living person and she was i mean this was horrific to her and that's where her idea of frankenstein came up and it said that she was able to write frankenstein within 48 hours because well, yeah. it was so so traumatic to her well great there are grave rob robbers back then that were cutting you know people oh, yeah. up and, and trying to do experiments with them so it was based on true events but i actually came across a report that says Mary Shelley cut the front legs off of her dog Richard, and then and then put on cat legs on the front of her dog, and then cut the dog's back legs off and put uh, legs from a Sheldon pony. That's a report that came out that said that Mary Shelley. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's true because she was. <laughs> She was she was so horrified by the scientific community doing that. I don't think she would ever do that to another living creature, um, and that's why the reason why she wrote Frankenstein was to to show how uh, horrific you know she thought that was. Yeah, so I have a question. I have a question for you, Shatan, about sure. uh, Mary Shelley. Is okay. it true that she carried around her husband's heart in a little silk bag? Now, I'm not sure on that one. I just know the, the story behind Frankenstein. Um, okay. she, she wrote it. Um, and it was because she was just so appalled at the scientific community's new medical practices that um, it, it just was appalling to her. And she, it, it sat wrong with her. And that's yeah. why she wrote Frankenstein. Um, okay. Now, you know, with Victorian literature, you know, that's certainly, you know, um, not unheard of that a author would do, you know, something, you know, like hearing a loved one's heart. Yeah. Um, so it I, says that um, her, her husband, Percy, drowned at the age of 29 when his boat was caught in a storm yep. in 1822. 
And then Percy's body and this other fellow sailors were found 10 days later. And the others, uh, Percy and the others were cremated. But Shelley's heart, meaning the, the husband, did not burn. And they think it's because of a bout of tuberculosis earlier in life. Yep. And so Mary Shelley eventually took ownership of her late husband's heart because it didn't burn. And it, it said to that that she carried around it in a little silk bag. Now, whether this story is true or not, I don't know. There's some weird stories surrounding her. Now, I know. One more point that I want to make on uh, zombies. There's a thing called Cotard syndrome. And it's a delusion where people think that they're already dead. They think that they've or they've, yeah. lo they've lost organs or lost blood or body parts or lost their soul. And they think that they have are smelling rotting flesh. Yeah, that's terrible. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there aren't really exact zombies out there in nature, but there are things that kind of. Yeah, people like the bath salts and eat people's faces. <laughs> yeah, there was that one guy who was sniffing yeah. bath salts and like ate his friend or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, like, uh, Sons of Anarchy, too, that like ate part of his neighbor or something, too. It was like one of the actors on that. Truth is, is worse than fiction, I swear, God. sometimes. So, Brandon, you got a, a, a weird thing to bring to the table? Uh, I'm going to pass for now. I might come up with something later. But <laughs> Kim, did you have a prepared thing? Yeah, um, actually, I thought it was interesting. I was going through some stories, you know, how the Halloween traditions kind of stick out and you're like, I wonder how that ever happened type thing. Um, so why do you think, I'm going to ask every one of you, why do you think witches fly on brooms? Mm. Why do witches fly on brooms? Wow. So it's, it's sad that um, it actually goes back to Gaelic um, traditions and uh, when the <laughs> autumn, you know, the, when All Hallows Eve would come, it said that you sweep away the bad luck and from your front porch with your broom and okay. that um, that you know prevents um, any uh, negative spirits from coming forward and also, um, you know, this is the time of year when all the hay and straw, you're harvesting it. So um, that was one of the biggest, you know, things that you wanted to do so that your livestock did not starve to death during the wintertime. So, um, you know, they wanted to make sure that that was taken care of. But um, definitely sweeping the, the negative energies away from okay. the home was a, was a huge part of it. Wow. Anybody that... else have any ideas? I don't have a clue. Well, this is kind of, this is what I found out, and I don't know if this is true or not. Um, the association between witches and brooms may have roots in the pagan fertility ritual in which rural farmers would leap and dance astride poles, pitchforks and brooms in the light of the full moon to encourage the growth of their crops. The broomstick dance became confused with common accounts of witches flying through the night on their way to orgies and other illicit meetings. So yeah, that so, is something. Yeah, it, it was 
you know, because it gets darker during, you know, the fall earlier and you're, you're still trying to get all your harvest in. So they would build these right. big bonfires and a lot of your, your, your family, your extended family would help, you know, bringing in these crops. So, yep. you know, these big bonfires would, would light, you know, uh, the fields and, and keep, you know, the scary things away. Um, but, you know, they would also celebrate because, hey, you know, our harvest season's coming to an end. Now we can just spend all winter, you know, inside our, our homes, you mm-hmm. know, putting log on the fire, eating our, our, our dried preserves. And our, our, you know, our hard work is done. Um, now we just have to survive the winter. And so, so I thought that was kind of time. kind of interesting that it you know they say it's a pagan fertility ritual. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's a good one, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> I have another one. I have to read this little thing first, and then we'll have this one especially for Shatan. A cool summer morning in early June is when the legend began at a nameless logging camp in Wexford County where the Manistee River ran. It goes on to say, logger, a logger named Johnson chased what he thought was a dog into a log, poking it with a stick. And then it ends by, it let out an unearthly scream and came out of the log and stood upright. Somewhere in the North Woods darkness, a creature walks upright. And the best advice you may ever get is never go out at night so, so that comes from the steve cook song yes yes uh i'm very well versed uh versed in this i figured uh, I, I was actually talking about it last night so oh, wow. uh steve cook is a um well he was a a dj disc jockey um in the wexford county ludington luther area um, he wrote this song, recorded it, and um, every Halloween they would play it on the radio station that he worked for, and it became so popular that they started selling cassettes of it at you know lo- local um, events as a fundraiser. Well, this was said to be the birth of the Dog Man in, in Michigan, and even to the point where um, some friends of his hoaxed a video and sent it to the producer Doug Hijack of Monster Quest. And so when they did this huge episode on the Michigan Dogman, um, and they were reviewing the footage, I mean, the, the footage is pretty cool. Um, it's, you know, this guy dressed in his uh, ghillie suit on all fours and he comes like, you know, on all fours, he comes lurching down, down this hill at, at the cameraman. But, you know, we, a lot of researchers said it's too good to be true. And so the more that the, the team of Monster Quest, you know, asked questions, the more they were like, well, um, yeah, okay, yeah, we're going to admit it was a hoax. And, but we still get dogman sightings to this day. And they're not just from Michigan. We get them all across the world. So is the Steve Cook song a, a hoax? Or, you know, uh, right. Well, it's a really know. long song. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it goes on and on about different events yeah. that happened, people disappearing yep. and farmers disappearing. Yep. Brandon, were you familiar with the song by just what I read? 
I've heard it like a long time ago, but I don't really remember the lyrics of it all. <laughs> but they say then after this came out, then all of a sudden people started reporting Dog Man, and it was like mm -hmm. Michigan Dog Man. Yep. Wasn't just Dog Man; it was Michigan Dog Man. But <laughs> so have you got a lot more reports? Seeing nobody has uh, or everybody has time now. You know, I it, it's actually been kind of quiet for Michigan on the dog man front. Um, certainly, I you know I get a lot more reports during the winter time um, mm -hmm. because people you know um, are they see them easier. They're you know they don't have the cornfields or the woods to to hide in. They don't have you know the foliage to hide in. So I get a lot more reports during the winter time of the dogman uh, creatures than I do any other time of the year. And I think it's because um, when people are out driving at night or you know early in the morning or whenever, um, it's easier to see you know things like that. That's why a lot of ghost hunters go. Um, it, they film their series during the winter months because it cuts down on bugs um showing up in the screen and people think oh, 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 oh there's a ghost no it, it was just a moth um so you know when it's cold and plus um when you're when you're filming anything and you have tree foliage it makes it kind of harder to see around everything so you do it in the winter time and of course you're miserable because it's cold but you're giving a truer truer look at what's going on around you because there's no leaves to hide behind there's no foliage so some of the renditions, the artistic renditions of Dogman, uh, mm -hmm. very frightening. Oh yeah, seven foot tall. Brandon, how about a Bigfoot question? Brandon went up to Bigfoot training with Jim. I know with Rich. Yeah, Rich Meyer. Awesome. Jim, Jim, Jim Sherman wasn't there this year, but actually, Jim was just on um, These Woods Are Haunted. Um, he was just on that TV show. Now, how, what is your Bigfoot connection, Shatan? So um, I have had a Bigfoot sighting. It happened, I want to say, five, six years ago. Um, it was when I had my, my red soft-sided Jeep. So I was leaving uh, my mom's house um, in Ely, Minnesota. And um, it was like the last week... I, I drove up there the last week of October and I was coming home like right after Halloween. So on my way up, uh, there was dead deer everywhere because apparently they, they like to kill themselves off in mass numbers, um, you know, but on the way home, not so much. But so I, I left her house. I wanted to get um, on the road before this big storm was coming in. So I left her house around uh, two in the morning which meant uh, by the time I got to Virginia, which is about 45 an hour away, um, it, you go from a two lane highway up onto a four lane. So as I was proceeding to drive up onto the, the four lane highway, as, I, as I'm you know, angling up and, and going up onto the, um, the on-ramp, Mm -hmm. My Jeep's headlights catch its headlight, thick, shaggy, black, furry leg, tall grass, thick, shaggy, black, hairy leg, 
headlight. Wherever the head and chest of this creature was, was higher than where my head was at in my Jeep. So standing wow. outside my Jeep, um, I'm five foot eight, so my I could put my chin on, on the top of my hood, um, you know, the awning of my hood for the top of my car. So wherever the head and chest of this animal was, it was higher than the top of my Jeep, which I know was about five foot. So looking at like a seven foot, eight foot, you know, creature there. Um, now, you know, th this all happens, you know, within 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. I'm up on, I'm up on the expressway and I'm sitting there thinking, did I just see what I think I saw? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I just saw a Bigfoot. And then the, the inquisitive part of me, the, the investigative reporter in me, the, the journalist in me is like, I should, I should just go over the medium, go back down the other, you know, the other side and come back around yep. and get my cell phone out and get the pictures. And then I'm thinking, now the practical side of me, the uh, it's 3.30 in the morning side of me is saying, uh, you're in a soft-sided Jeep. How are you going to explain it to the tow truck driver, your mom, and the police why your Jeep is upside down um, on the side of the road? Because they're not going to believe Bigfoot did it, you know? Um, so that was one of those, yeah, okay, I'm just going to keep driving. Um, but I know I had my sighting and... Uh, yeah, that was good enough for me. Um, yeah, nice. You know, so Brandon uh, has some experiences up at Bigfoot training. You want oh, to yeah. expand on that a little bit, Brandon? Oh, uh, we were up there. When the, 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 I have a question I'll follow after now because we're up there. We're up on the bridge where they normally have the sightings, but as we're up there, we're all of a sudden seeing these blue and white lights start up in the trees, way back in the background. They come up to the tree line. They're, they're, I would say similar to like a firefly, but they're bigger and obviously they're a bluish white light. So whereas a uh, firefly would be more like a yellowish. Yep. So that's why I'm wondering if there's any other, like where there's strange lights seen like in like Bigfoot sighting. Well, we, you know, there, there, are, there are a lot of um, reported UFO activities with um, Bigfoots, but Seeing as you're up in the UP, and I don't think this is a stretch by any means, because this phenomenon has been reported, and it's probably something I'm going to do a lot more research into, but there are things called puckwudgies. Have you heard of these? Yeah, I've heard mm -hmm. of puckwudgies. So they're, the, they're the little men no. of the forest, and they like luring you off the path and into the woods, and then you're gone. So... Uh -oh. With them being the little guys in the forest and Bigfoot's being the big guys in the forest, um, they kind of pay attention to what humans are doing. And so in the UP, you know, the, it's less populated than it is anywhere else um, in, in the Great Lakes area. Um, you know, certainly if you see a car once every half an hour going, you know, down the roads at night, um, it's, it's a busy night. Um, so I think possibly what you were seeing were puckwudgies and they were lighting it up, hoping to draw you guys near and see what you guys were doing and, you know, going to have some fun with you guys. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, it definitely, definitely seemed like they were scouting us out because they'd yeah. be way back and it seemed like they sent a couple scouts up, yep. come up to the tree line and stop. Like they're yep. observing us and then they'd fall back. Like one of them would fall actually up the trail line. Yeah. You can tell it has intelligence to it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, are they like fairies? Are they paranormal? So, so Pukwudgies are, um, the Native Americans talk about them a lot. They are these little uh, brownie type creatures. I wouldn't say troll. I wouldn't say gnome. Um, I wouldn't even say Nain Rouge. Um, because the Native Americans have talked about them for centuries. And they are these just little minute um, creatures, no more than, I would say they're less than two feet high. And they, some of them are beneficial, but a lot of them are, they, they are pranksters, they are tricksters, and uh, humans are not their favorite, you know, things because we cut down their forest, we cut down their woods. I know up in Houghton area, um, they are, because uh, I've had this conversation with Rhonda several times, um, you know, they are pretty sure that there's a population of Pukwudgies up there who are, you know, mad at the different uh, apartment complexes and making their presence known. Hmm. Oh, Kim, have you heard of those? No, never. I mean, I've heard of these light fairies and stuff like that, like right. from Todd Clemens. Yep. Right. You no, know, he would he, he would talk about up in Mackinac Island. He would mm -hmm. talk about these light fairies or whatever Todd wants to call them. Um, but I've never heard of what Shatan is talking about. But it's no, super interesting. It. Yeah. The Pukwudgies. Yep. <laughs> that is oh, I've never. That's cool. Yeah, they, do you, they, like they, Brandon. They, do you feel like they were trying to trick you or trying to play tricks on you? I don't. I actually, because like when we were going up the trail, like whenever I've experienced it, it's been at a moment where it feels like maybe Bigfoot's out there. Like you can hear something walking bigger. Whenever I've experienced, it, I've actually felt much more peaceful. Like they were protecting. Oh. Do you like, think maybe they were they were like a warning? So they were trying to warn you potentially or communicate it almost seems like they were they were just like there to protect like before i seen it like the year before i had seen like one of them but i could tell like oh there's something elemental here that's protective yeah. like that was the feeling i got so like i feel like they they didn't scare me or anything but it was like like a lot more getting frightened as we were going up the trail because i felt like sound like something was walking alongside of the trail oh, you guys all of you guys saw them, right? Not just all you. of us. All six of us. There were six of us up there. We're all seeing. We were all seeing them. Yeah. Wow. Did you take a video? I had the vid my camera rolling, but it's complete darkness out there because you're. Five it didn't miles. pick it up. It didn't pick it up because oh, the light shoot. was small. It wasn't okay. To register on camera. That's too cool, man. That's so. Shatan said these things are like two feet. Is yeah. that what you said, or two yeah. inches? Two, two feet. There so, are some smaller ones up in the in the Minnesota area, but there there's reports of these creatures all over the United States, um, from the East Coast all the way down to Texas. Um, uh, now, different places might call them by different names, but the one that I'm most familiar with is the Pukwudgies. Can you spell that? Yeah. <laughs> So P U K W U or W U G I E Pukwudgies. Okay. Okay. That might get me to look that up. Google, yeah, Google might be able to answer that. You know, right along this line, this would be a good thing. I, I will be featured in a documentary that's coming out on Halloween day about the wild men of Wampanoagin, which is, um, 
talks about the the Pukwudgies and uh, things like the Nain Rouge, and um, it's it's uh, being produced by a friend of mine, um, uh, Carrick uh, Saint Lorraine, and um, so it'll be coming out on Halloween Day, I believe. Um, I will send you guys a link to the trailer of it, and okay. uh, so he he um, did a lot of investigative work into uh, the Pukwudgies. Wow, I never heard of that. Me neither. We've and I thought we've heard it all, Wayne. No, I'll just have your tan on the show, and then you'll find out you haven't heard it all yet. I know. That's amazing. You know, we've oh. talked about the Michigan Triangle. You know, we everybody knows yep. the Bermuda Triangle. But did you know there's an Alaskan Triangle? I think even Shatan's talked about maybe a Great Lake Triangle or a Lake yep. Superior. Yep. Actually, um, every single... Um, each of the five Great Lakes have a triangle and Lake Superior has two. So there's there's also an Alaskan triangle where there's yep. unusual activity, mysterious disappearances. Um, and they have, there's a city, a town along a coastal town that is now a ghost town because yep. they, had, they had so many Bigfoot, Bigfoot scared them away. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, the whole town? The whole town. Yeah, I, can't, I can't remember what the name of the town was, but it originally started as a cannery because they had access to the salmon, um, lots of different um, fish species, and it, it started as a cannery, but um, within two years' time, it became a ghost town, and um, the, the people were going missing. And so they, and, and weird stuff was happening, like um, things like huge structures would be torn apart and, and pushed over. And they're like, okay, no human being did this. Yeah. So it's still to this day, it is pretty much a ghost town. And they know that, you know, Bigfoots are very active in the areas. Um, Do you think so, the Bigfoots were attracted by the fish? From the cannery, no, I think the big. I think the Bigfoots were were coming in there because the Bigfoots were angry that humans were now in their territory. Oh, so and, retaliation. You know, yes, and because you know one of the reasons why a Bigfoot will get aggressive is you're stealing its food, and or so, ter territory maybe. Yep, and so you know the Alaskan Bigfoots, they they are very partial to salmon, just mm -hmm. like the bears are. There's lots of shellfish. You can just walk along the beach and collect shellfish. And so these are all natural food sources for the Bigfoot up yep. there. And if, if humans are coming along and wasting those food sources, then the Bigfoot is going to have an issue with it and yep. let you know um, post haste. You know, Do you think are Bigfoots are that in. intelligent that they oh, can yeah. process their thinking like that? Oh, like yeah. you're taking my food, I'm gonna retaliate. Do you think oh, yeah. they're smart enough? Oh yeah, because even even chimpanzees use tools. That's true. They they can efficiently and effectively form war plans and take out another tribe of chimpanzees. So, you know, as humans, we measure intelligence by two plus two is four. Mm -hmm. I can spell the word supercatal fragilis. I know quantum physics, I know chemistry. Da, 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 da. Okay, so that's great in, in our world where, you know, that applies to your job, to schooling, 
but you take that same person who knows all that, you put them out in the woods with uh, <laughs> only the clothing on their back and they're a hundred miles from civilization. How long are they going to last? <laughs> Not very. <laughs> yeah. Well, Whereas Bigfoot can last as long as they as they want to and have lived successfully in the wild right. since you know they they evolved into Bigfoots and have had no issues and have been very successful at evading humans to this day. And right. a lot of people say, well, that doesn't mean anything, but think about it. The bonobos, which is a primate that is similar to chimpanzees but a little bit more ape-like they went undiscovered until the 1990s oh my gosh and they've been living here they've been living there all this time right the great apes the silverback apes were mythology until researchers thought nope we're gonna go find them i believe they were discovered in the 1970s great apes that almost every zoo has a population of were considered mythology for a very long time. So is it possible for Bigfoot to be out there? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And surviving without human interference? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Very, very good at it. Mm -hmm. The stats that I dug up say that 16,000 missing people since 1988. That includes mm -hmm. airplane passengers, hikers, locals, tourists. But the worst is the indigenous women of Alaska. Yes. And, mm. and there's a lot of murdered girls in Alaska. So it's a serious problem. It's not just Bigfoot that's making them disappear. There, but there have also been uh, ET sightings in Fairbanks, Alaska. Ghost sightings. So Alaska very spooky hmm. Brandon needs to go a little bit farther north for his Bigfoot. Yeah, south. Brandon, why don't you just go to Alaska a minute? Yeah, that's a quick <laughs> 10 minutes for Just something to do. <laughs> we probably need to move on with the show. I want to talk about sin eaters. That's people who consume a ritual meal. It's, it's uh, They'll have like a loaf of bread. Someone dies, they'll lay them out. They have a loaf of bread on their chest. And then they hire somebody from the community to come and eat the bread, drink beer and wine. So absolving that person of their sins. And it was real popular in the 18th and 19th century Scotland, but it's also came to the Appalachian area of the U S but it, it's a Christian thing, believe it or not. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, sin eaters, there's different movies out on it. There's the order, which had Heath Ledger in it. And then Michael Landon mm -hmm. jr. Uh, directed The Last Sin Eater, and then Rod Serling had Night Gallery, the, the Sins of the Father, so you can check that out. I also had about Alaska, the Kustika. Yes, that one has been popular. Um, uh, I believe they did. They talked about that last season on um, the Alaskan Triangle. Hmm. What is an Acoustica? So it, it's a, a bird-like creature, and mm. it's said to be a, a very dark entity, and um, it stalks people. So it's um, not a cryptid. Well, if, if it's it an entity, how can it be a cryptid? Or is well, it? Well, it, it's, it's 
because they they perceive it as evil. Mm -hmm. So and and this you know this is according to Native Alaskans. Um, you know they they have this belief that um, the you know the the Kustika stalks them and um, is just waiting to to you know swoop down and get them. Traps mm. victims' souls, prevents them from being reincarnated. Yeah, evil, evil. Um, yeah, we need to move on. So shout out Darren and Allie of Lakeshore mm. Paranormal and uh, Soy Alicia TV were our previous guests. So shout out to them. And I already did a, a shout out to 222 Paranormal. Uh, but he's up in the ups, so he's, he's getting his voice back. He will be on the show in November. And so that you, we go right into upcoming. You have upcoming, Shatan? Um, so let's see. My next major event is Mid-Michigan Paranormal Convention. Um, that is in November. So I believe that's next weekend. Not this weekend, Halloween, but the, um, the next weekend. I believe it's the first weekend of November. So um, I will be up there presenting at that. I will also be vending. Uh, stop by and buy some uh, cryptid things, please. Because, uh, you know, they need new homes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the Kelpies. Um, so that, that will be my next uh, major event. I will be doing a presentation tomorrow night at the Taylor Library. Um, that will be on the Nain Rouge and other Luton creatures. Um, so... I will be talking about Pukwudgies um, while there. Uh, so if you're near the Taylor area, come on by. I believe the presentation starts at 6. and But you can check out their website, Taylor Public Library, and find out all the details. Um, so those are my next two um, public appearances. Um, so uh, if you're in the area, come on by and, and uh, check it out. Excellent. Cool. For us in November... Real excited about this. Bill Konkoleski's mm -hmm. oh, yeah. author, uh, director of Mu uh, Michigan's MUFON. Mm -hmm. You never know what Bill's going to talk about either. And then I already mentioned uh, 222 will be the other podcast in November. Uh, with us, ongoing is Comcast Channel 25 and Uverse 99. WKTV is televising our show twice a week, Mondays and Saturdays late. So check that out if you get a chance. And then uh, final thought. Oh, wow. I guess we got time for final thought. I gave you all, guys all uh, elements. Yeah. Each yeah. two elements. Shatan, your elements were what? My, my elements were oxygen and hydrogen. That's right. Oxygen and hydrogen. So I'm going to put that in the bowl. Kim's? Nitrogen and carbon. Nitrogen and carbon. And Brandon's? Calcium and phosphorus. Calcium and phosphorus. Those six elements make up 99% of our stew. And then... I'm adding just less than 1%, 0 0.85, 0 0.85, five more elements. Sulfur, potassium, sodium, chlorine, and magnesium. 
So that goes into our stew. Okay. What did we make? That's the question. The what the environment? All those elements together, what do they make? They're combined. Earth. Our environment? I don't know. Planet Earth. Human bodies. It is. The atmosphere. That's, that's actually Earth's it. atmosphere. That, it. that that makes up a human person. Okay. Those Eleven elements makes up a human person, except for maybe a little bit of magic. I would say. <laughs> I don't know. What's, what do you guys think? There might be a missing element there, or uh, something else that should go in there to actually make a person. Maybe some. Well, when you gave me my elements, nitrogen actually is 78% of the Earth's atmosphere and mm -hmm. kind of like the all the living, it's it's all living matter is yep. what that is. So if you figure 78% of the nitrogen is the living matter, I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? Because human yeah. beings are living matter. Yeah, just amazing to me that that's all it takes to make up a person. Maybe... They could make a person in a test tube. I'm, I gotta believe they'd be a zombie. They would. They wouldn't. <laughs> have, they wouldn't have a soul. They wouldn't have that magic that really makes up what a person's all about. The essence is, is mm -hmm. not in those chemicals that we put in that bucket. So, inspirational thought. And then the show's over, and I always like to pick a good one for Shatan. This one comes from kind of like the expression, you've heard the expression, don't rest on your laurels. <laughs> yeah. It's an ancient, comes from ancient Greece, uh, Olympians in Greece and, mm -hmm. and uh, Roman commanders. And the uh, quote comes from Bruce Lee though. And it says, there are no limits. There are only plateaus and you must not stay there. You must go beyond. And that's exactly what Shatan does. She mm -hmm. doesn't stay where she, in one place, one thing's never enough for her. She's always moving on to something new. Love that about you. You're an inspiration, yep. Shatan. She's an explorer. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you are. So keep it up. Keep up the good work. I know you're not going to be resting on your laurels. <laughs> not anytime soon i i do plan on sleeping a lot in december uh, okay. that's what going on. okay I think so. all right thanks so much Chitan noir kim colleen always good to see you good brandon see. jose there's another zombie <laughs> there i'm giving this to you tonight wayne my uh, kid drew this that's nice. <laughs> peace out it says, do it like the zombies do. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I know, right? Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. Located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.